You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the comics edition, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. And here's your host, Vince. Hello again, everyone. It is Wednesday, November 24th. Time for issue 17 of Bow Down to Us, the comics edition. As usual, I am Vince, and we are bringing an old school team up to the comics this week with a special guest sidekick, none other than the man, Joe. What's up, buddy? Hey, nothing much. Having a great relaxing evening with a stack of comic books. How about yourself? Oh, that's that's pretty much all you can ask for, especially on a holiday week. So uh, many of our listeners will know you as the host of the wonderful Bow Down to Us, the lore edition. Uh, why don't you just give people a brief rundown on your background in comics? I've been collecting comics since I was about five years old. Um, my grandfather originally taught me how to read and write uh, by taking me every week to the to the actual newsstand that was two blocks away from our house, and uh, we would buy a stack of comics. Um, he also used it to help teach me morality, right from wrong, and really instilled in me the problem that is my hero complex in real life. All right. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, so what have been some of your favorite heroes in that time? Uh, talking about the time before the fall or after the fall? Uh, let's go with both. All right. Well, the top two heroes of all time for me are Spider-Man and Batman in that order. Spider-Man taking the number one slot, Batman picking up the second slot. Spider-Man always intrigued me because of his intellect. Um, and the way that he was always written was as if he was a sarcastic, witty teenager who never understood what powers he had. And this, that's what he is. Um, it, it was always just so interesting to see he could snap a man's neck but didn't he could crush an entire city block if he really felt the need for it but he didn't you know he got beat up as as much if not more than what he dealt and dished out and always thought of different ways to attack it than just saying i'm super strong so you know and then Batman is just the epitome of human willpower, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, there. The, I remember uh, way back when, when Batman. Batman has had several comics where he's had uh, the plans to kill all the heroes, right? Yeah. Um, basically, the backup plan. And we saw it with Tower of Babel. Uh, there was a Marvel crossover where he had that, and that's one of the first times I really remember seeing. Wow, Batman is crazy. Batman <laughs> is really crazy. He had specialty bullets to take out Wolverine. He had a way to mess up with Daredevil. He took out the Hulk in one shot. I mean, it was the DC versus Marvel, the very first one, and he cleaned house. And the best part about it was it wasn't just fanboying on Batman. It was writers sat down and said, well, how, how would Batman beat him? Well, yeah, that's pretty much foolproof. That's what's going to happen. OK, we have nothing we can do about it. OK, that's it. So those two have always been my absolute favorite. Um, I've been very I've really heavily into X-Men when I first started, um, really heavy into um, a lot of the the sort of antiheroes like Iron Man as well. I just like the fact that he was very human. Um, Iron Fist as well with his very troubled background. Which Excellent. A lot of people don't know about. They don't know exactly how messed up Iron Fist actually is. Um, Luke Cage, stuff like that. And mainly Marvel. Um, DC came when I was my Marvel my, my Marvel transitioned into the DC more into college, and then I started getting really into the Justice League. And um, believe it or not, one of my favorite superheroes of all time in the DC universe, Aquaman. <laughs> Interesting. You know why? Aquaman is always undersold. He is the underdog, right? He has the power to shut down portions of your brain. 
He does. Okay. He, he, in, in Justice League year one, what does he do when he's in a bar and people start messing with him? He shuts down the entire bar. They have no motor skills. He's just like, you don't realize that you actually share brain with the, prim- the brain parts with, you know, your primordial cousins in the ocean. Oh, yeah, I can affect that. Go to sleep. You know, it's just he's ridiculous. And people always sell him short. Uh, that's a pretty interesting list. But uh, of course, <laughs> today we're going to focus on one of those characters, which is why I called in the expert. Today we are having a special Batman episode. Lots of big things have been happening to uh, the various Batmen in recent weeks. Um, let's go back a little bit of time to uh, the arrival of a man known as Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison is widely recognized as one of the best comic writers in the industry. And that's not a bad label. I mean, it, it is true to a point. Uh, a lot of his original works have been truly phenomenal. Uh, I've had some issues with when he takes on established characters like the X-Men and here Batman, where he starts off with some truly fantastic ideas. Just things get a little muddled towards the end. Uh, when he took over Batman, he put in some really interesting ideas, uh, the first of which being Bruce Wayne's son. That That is one of the best developments in Batman in recent memory, perhaps more than recent memory, uh, Damien, who is the son of Bruce Wayne and Talia al Ghul. Very cool character, great interactions with him and the various Robins over the years. And I, I just really like the character. And before the story devolved into sheer insanity, I was really enjoying it, mostly because of the Damien character. Damien's an old school choice, too. I mean, he was concocted years ago as a what if scenario, and it just had so much popularity because of his smarmy nature. Yes, smarmy um, nature and the fact that he was brought up among thieves and assassins and, you know, at one point in the comic lines was trained by Batman. I mean, it's just he has this sort of ridiculousness about him, but he does it in such a way that you can't help but love and love to hate him at the same time. So he's got that weird dynamic, and it's been there for years. And I, I was kind of happy to see uh, Grant Morrison revisit that, really, because it's it's an interesting dynamic to inject back into the, the lineup. All right, so I was really enjoying a lot of those early storylines, but I was starting to see elements of the Grant Morrison insanity. Uh, when it really jumped out at me was when Alfred Pennyworth fought off ninjas. <laughs> Did you remember that one? <laughs> okay, look, Alfred has always been that that sort of fanboy back backroom favorite, and that was just fan service as far as I'm concerned. Yes, it was insane. Yes, it was Grant Morrison insane, but I'm sorry, just, you know, awesome. Yeah, well, they, they started introducing some, some interesting characters to the franchise. Uh, I, I can't really name any of them because I started losing interest at that point, especially when we got into the Batman rest in peace phase where I, I think it had to have been a good year before the guy actually died. They started tagging every single Batman related comic with rest in peace. And what, what really bugged me about it was they're 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 marketing the Batman comics as Batman's going to die and he didn't even die in the Batman comics. He actually died in the Final Crisis miniseries slash event, which written by Grant Morrison, I really enjoyed it at the beginning. <laughs> but by the end, it had just become so gripped into the the, the long term continuity of the DC universe. It, even people who have been reading every DC comic since, you know, they were in set when they were when they were created were confused by where this storyline was going. One thing I have to say about that is in him not dying in an actual Batman comic bothered 
me to the core. And the reason for that, everybody dies in the crisis line. Everybody. Every time there's a crisis, some key person dies, whether it's Green Arrow in Hawkeye dying in alternate universes and swapping places or, you know, an alternate version of Superman or or Barry Allen or alternate versions of Superman or alternate versions of Batman exploding. Everybody dies in that series. So you expect something big like that. It's not an earth shaker. And the fact that they started labeling the comics that early really bothered me when Captain America died. I was shocked. I did oh, not man. expect him to get oh, out yeah. taken out like that. When Batman died, it was kind of like, eh, about time. <laughs> yeah, it was like I've been I've been waiting for this earth shaker for like a year and now you're finally dropping it on me and you've bled it out so much that it doesn't even have that same effect on me. I have no emotional investment on it. And that's what really bothered me about it. Had they had done it like all of a sudden, like in a Batman comic next thing you know, weep like a, a big man child because that's how much it would have hurt. But to have it drawn out like that, uh, Grant Morrison made a big mistake with that. Yeah, and, and of course he made an even bigger mistake by making the little clues he put in there completely unknown to so many of the reader base. And we'll get into that in, a, in a, just a little bit. So here we are in DC. Batman is freaking dead, which leads us into the battle for the cowl, which was basically a huge mashup of every bat-related character that they could think of. Some cool, some... Not, Not so much. Yeah. Uh, it, it boiled down to Jason Todd and Tim or not Tim Drake, um, Dick, Dick Grayson, Grayson, both, you know, wanting to be Batman. Jason Todd because of his weird adventures on the multiverse doing another horrible miniseries. And Dick Grayson, because while he didn't want to be Batman, he finally came to realize that somebody needed to be Batman and he was the best one for the job. And I, I like that character development with Dick because he didn't jump for it right away. He kind of just stepped up and did what needed to be done. And that's been a cool part of that character for a while now. Dick has this sort of awesome dynamic. When he split off from Batman the first time and became Nightwing after their little tiff, he became so consumed with the pursuit of, of justice that he fought crime during the day and during the night. And the fact that he also, as far as the comics are concerned, has more money than Bruce Wayne. Um, and he's always been sort of this this weird character that they've they've done so much with over the years, made him insane and driven him to these this super grief and wanting to kill things like the Joker and driving him to the brink. And then have him have that realization, I thought was a nice little touch. I mean, I think everybody kind of expected expected that or at least was rooting for it. But to actually see him have that epiphany when saying somebody needs to do it and I'm the best for the job. Uh, crap, I got to get in there, you know, to see that sort of uh, I want to say resignation, you know, sort of like that acceptance that, yeah, I'm going to have to do this whether I want to or not was very much the character in very, very good selling point for me because that was Dick Grayson. That's Dick Grayson from years ago. That's Dick Grayson throughout the years and every iteration that he's ever been. And to see it continue on made me very happy. It stayed true to character. Yeah, that 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 was that was good. Uh, again, I'm not crazy with the execution, but the end event really was worth it. And that led us into the next era of Batman, the Batman and Robin era, where Tim Drake is no longer Robin. He's going off as Red Robin, kind of doing his own thing. He finally aged a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> and the now Dick Grayson Batman needs a new Robin and he turns to Damien. Who who finally gets to step up and be the Robin that he was uh, kind of wanting slash not wanting to be in the in the previous uh, era. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I'll admit I tried 
several times to read the Batman and Robin comic. Just, uh, you know, I'm flipping through the trade paperbacks, trying to decide if I wanted to buy it. And I, I inevitably always reached a point where I just shook my head and put it back on the shelf <laughs> because it was just crazy. Some of the stuff Morrison was coming up with here. And it does bother me that I wasn't able to read them because I know th- that what I did see of the interaction between Dick and Damien was fantastic. That is one of the best teams I've seen in comics, maybe ever. They're just, they just go together so, well, not well, but well at the same time. There was some really, really good stuff there between the two of them. The interaction between them actually really reminds me of Bruce and Tim Drake when Tim Drake first became Robin. That sort of cocky smarminess where it's like, I'm really good at this. You don't need to give me instruction. Why do I have to wear red tights? Why do I have to be the bullet, you know, the, the bullet draw? You know, I'm not wearing the gay spandex. Leave me the hell alone. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I'm just here to help you type thing. But Damien does it in such a way that it's like, I know who my father is. I know the legacy I'm trying to live up to. I know what you're trying to do. And I do want to be that hero, but I'm a cocky 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 kid you know and they have this really interesting play about them that is very reminiscent of those early tim drake days where it's that slight rebellious tone that slight condescending tone with his you know mentor quote unquote and they just play off each other really well it's like the odd couple of comics and it's been so long since we've had something like that and it's nice to see that sort of play out because it's exactly what would happen between these two personalities you have dick grayson the reluctant hero and you have damien who's the you know the rising star and you have that sort of that headbutting going on and that's what should happen there should be some friction and that's what makes it really sellable too it's realistic it's not gosh gee willikers batman all right off the bat blindly follow him into the sun it's here's my opinion on it this is what we should do no this is what we should do okay let's and then eventually they come to a median point where it really works out so i thought it was always nice yeah, I, I think Dick earning Damien's respect was in a lot of ways more important than Damien earning Dick's. I, I would agree with that. And I think that because uh, Dick's proving himself, right? He's proving himself in this this legacy. And to see him do that into the eyes of, you know, his father figure, you know, the person, uh, the, the, the son of his father figure, the legacy of his father figure, the person who saved him at his lowest, the person who gave him direction, who made him who he is today essentially to see that sort of reverse approval was very nice as well. Yeah. And so looking at Batman and Robin as a whole, uh, issue 16 came out a couple weeks ago and a lot of people have been calling Batman and Robin the best comic of the year. Now, I personally disagree with that. If I were to come up with a list of, well, any length, Batman and Robin wouldn't be on there. Um, But since I haven't been reading it regularly, I also can't make that judgment. Uh, honestly, fair opinion. How has Batman and Robin been as a whole? It was mediocre up until 16, up until this, this, the end of the arc. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll save that we'll part get for that later. later. But it, it's been, it's been sort of like this, this slow plot, you know, it's like for lack of a better term, it's the, the franchise trying to find its feet. And you can tell that like Grant Morrison is trying to do, some things with it without pushing the boundaries too far and alienating the readers, but still not get stuck in the same rut that's been there. He's trying to develop the storyline and develop the characters in a direction they may not have gone before. And I respect that. And I thought that it was very good writing, you know, for the vast majority of it, while some of it may be a little insane, but it's like the slow climb up to the crescendo. Yeah, well, 
Okay. It, obviously, some people really enjoyed it. Others didn't. Hey, it's a comic. It's obviously not going to appeal to everyone. But as Batman and Robin was going on, we started seeing other things popping up, especially a miniseries titled The Return of Bruce Wayne. Yes. Wait a minute. Batman's dead. He got fried. Superman carried his corpse out. How in the world could Batman possibly be coming back? Because he wasn't dead. <laughs> I, I, I did. I did my research here. You're going to be proud of this one. Uh, in Batman and Robin, as well as several other Bat-related titles, it eventually came out to be told that the corpse that Superman found was actually a clone of Batman that was planted by Darkseid as part of his big overall plot to demoralize the heroes. Because when somebody gets fried, quote, by Darkseid's eye beams, they don't disintegrate like we always see, has always interpreted it. In the Seven Soldiers, Mr. Miracle One-Shot, written, of course, by Grant Morrison, <laughs> it was established that Darkseid's Omega Solution attack exiles your mind, body, and spirit through time and space. So, Bruce Wayne was just shunted out of the current timeline. And that is what brought us to the return of Bruce Wayne. We see a pretty jacked up, pretty jumbled Bruce Wayne making his way back to the current day throughout time, which I'll admit was very interesting concept, <laughs> especially when we saw things like riding the dinosaur pirate <laughs> Batman. I mean, there were so many cool, cool concepts here. And we also saw a lot of, the, you know, the history of the Wayne family, the city of Gotham. There was a lot of interesting stuff in here. What it really was is it represented Grant Morrison blowing the doors off of the Batman mythos. That's what that, that's what that's what the return of Bruce Wayne really was. It was a chance to reinvent the character very much like Frank Miller did with year one. And a lot of people are, are not really some people are making this comparison and a lot of people are missing it. Think about it. You're going through history and you're seeing Batman go through all the different ridiculousness, riding dinosaurs, swashbuckling, you know, and you're getting to see how Gotham was built. You get to see how the Wayne legacy was built and you get to see the sort of the, the gestation of the, 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 the entire lineage. Right. And you get to see Batman with this, this personification of willpower push through this to basically be reborn. And as he's emerging, it's a fresh start. It is literally ripped wide open. And Batman, who's, you know, gone through all this trials, gone through all this tribulations, has a chance to reinvent himself. And I think that's one of the most important things about that. The return of Bruce Wayne is that it, it's that opportunity, that potential for him to rewrite certain aspects of himself. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the Batman and Bruce Wayne parts of the miniseries. I just really could have done without the utter lunacy of the Justice League traveling through time, trying to trying to get to him because it turns out he was uh, Darkseid's, you know, weapon delivery system to bring. I, I don't even want to get into it. it. It was it was so convoluted. But if they had stuck to the just the Batman parts of it, I think I would have enjoyed the miniseries a lot more. One thing to, interesting to note about this miniseries is the actual setup for this entire miniseries started way back with Batman and Son. And that's where the actual seeds for this entire story arc were planted way back then. And that's something that you'll probably want to go back and read and you'll, you'll probably catch it now. But there are little tiny hints of, of like open endedness that lead directly into the return of Bruce Wayne. 
what, what I also like as, you know, less of a, an obscure reference is in the Batman Superman uh, series written by Jeff Loeb when they went back to Apocalypse to take back Supergirl and Batman literally stood up to Darkseid, one of the most powerful mm-hmm. beings in the universe and would not go down. That's when Darkseid started formulating this whole plan and really wanting to use Batman as the symbol to destroy the heroes of Earth. Well, yeah, he was only a man. And here's Darkseid, the most powerful, evil, genius superpower in the entire universe, essentially, who has never been opposed by any force greater than Batman. Why? Batman threatened to blow up his entire planet. And he sits there and he looks at him and he said, and, and Darkseid says, from any other hero, I would spe- I would expect that to be a, a bluff, but not from you. That's how crazy Batman is. He will destroy <laughs> planet to win. So yes, that, I mean, and that was a nice, nice correlation too. Very, very good, Vince. I'm very impressed. Hey, I told you, I, I just because I haven't been enjoying recent Batman doesn't mean I don't know the larger stuff going on here. And honestly, that Batman Superman, those first several volumes written by Jeff Loeb, I really, really enjoyed those. That, that was a really good reading back then. Absolutely. All right, so. Batman's dead. Batman's alive. Uh, we have uh, we have a couple too many Batman at this point, which brings us back to Batman and Robin issue 16. Uh, we, we see the uh, the finishing off of the whole storyline of Batman and Robin and that craziness, which I, um, I just don't know what was going on there. But I read it because I was told it was very important. And it was once you got to the last couple pages with Bruce Wayne's Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne's <laughs> big reveal. And I know you've been chomping at the bit to say something about this moment. So I'm going to unleash you on this one. OK, I have two things to say about this. I love and hate this moment. All right. I love this moment because this harkens back to the same sort of gravity that we had when Daredevil's identity got leaked or when Spider-Man decided to take off his mask and go public. Right. You have sort of this 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 gravity where all these these loose ends, all these these weird tangents are starting to fall in place and people are like, oh, and this has ramifications that will ripple throughout the entire Batman universe, right? I like yeah. that. <laughs> I don't like it because it's not something Batman would do. <laughs> his, his secret, okay, look, there's been this big debate about, you know, Batman's id and everything else. And here's his, here's his thing. Batman is his identity. Bruce Wayne is his cover to link the two together completely jeopardizes everything that he's built up until that point. Even if he has these big, grand, epic sweeping plans that are going to like, you know, are carefully calculated. That's not a that's not a Batman move. That is absolutely not a Batman move. That is the personality of Bruce Wayne taking over. And I do not like that. Yeah, but it is important to point out here because a lot of our listeners probably haven't read this, that Bruce Wayne did not reveal his identity as Batman. Instead, he came up with this plan to reveal to the world that he has merely been financing Batman all these years. And as the CEO, quote, of this new Batman Incorporated, he's going to start franchising. (laughs) Which yeah. leads us which leads us into last week's comics. Uh, there, there was a trio of them. There was a uh, Batman. I think it was 706 uh, focusing back on Dick and Damien doing their Batman thing. 
because in the Batman The Return, uh, I think it was a one shot. It might be a miniseries. I'm going to hold that one off. Um, we see that Bruce gathers all the associated Bat people together and gives them all assignments. He recognizes that Dick is the correct Batman for Gotham. So he says, hey, keep doing your thing. Take the kid. Go. <laughs> so I think that was a, a, a nice little touch there. That was a nice touch. And one thing I did like about that is um, there was a kind of an obscure Batman reference in there as well. And this will play in later discussion as well. But there was a very short run. I think it was a five print manga series of Batman yes. for the Japanese Batman. Um, and almost nobody except for like the hardcore people really like heard about it or read it. And they bring him in out of the manga and into mainstream comic, which was a nice, interesting little touch. Um, I liked little things like that, but I, I, again, I just, I don't like, I'll get into that a little bit more later when we talk about the actual Batman Inc. But I don't like about the whole franchising. I'm still not keen on it. I like the idea that, that he recognizes Dick and gives him the nod and says, you're the right Batman for the job, but I don't like the fact that he's taking that CEO role, so to speak. It mm -hmm. feels it feels too much like he's trying to rekindle uh, the feeling of Batman from Kingdom Come, where he was managing yeah. an army of robots. And sure, that worked in Kingdom Come, but I'm sorry, Morrison. It's no. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're not Kurt Busiek there, buddy. No. So that, that that does bring us to Batman Incorporated. And I, again, I really have to com commend Morrison's knowledge of his franchise because that was obscure. I didn't know about the whole Japanese character until somebody told me about it. And I read a lot of comic books, so that one snuck past me. So we get into the new Batman Incorporated series, which starts us off with Batman going to Japan to recruit a Japanese Batman. We have our Gotham Batman. Now we need a Japanese Batman, an Indian Batman, a, a Spanish Batman, what have you. Any place <laughs> on the world that needs some dark justice, Batman's going to bring it to them by taking existing heroes and training them to do things the Batman way. Now, I, I found this comic very entertaining. Uh, <laughs> I liked a lot of the stuff that was going on here from from just a, a pure comic standpoint. I mean, I loved uh, Catwoman going through the, the anime mm -hmm. store, reading the uh, hentai mangas and wanting to know what was up, you know, with the tentacles and all that fun <laughs> stuff. <laughs> As someone who's into, uh, you know, anime and stuff, I, I liked a lot of the fun little touches they threw in there. Uh, some interesting characters that they're dealing with here. The story... <sighs> I'm, I'm not sold on it yet. I, I, I definitely can see the potential in it, especially a few years from now when it all blows up in his face, <laughs> as it probably will. <laughs> but it just didn't give me a lot of long term hope for the story of that particular title. I'm going to go ahead and say that the biggest strength of the entire piece literally is the humor. I mean, it it comes out hitting the ground running with this weird energy and this weird sense of purpose that is just completely out of left field and going in a direction that I don't think anybody expected, especially right off the bat. Um, it's vibrant settings. Uh, it's got awesomely strange characters, weird zany ideas, um, which also fit very well with the whole opening sequence of, you know, the, the Japan's Batman, Mr. Unknown, uh, you know. Uh, a little spoiler here if you haven't read it. it I mean, it's the apparent murder of that Batman uh, by the Lord Deathman. You know, awesome great name names. <laughs> um, 
but you know and he's and that's it like lord Deathman, he's this weird cartoonish rogue that was introduced back in the manga right um so it's got this weird sort of cartoony macabre macabre note going on this this whole tone that is pretty much the starting point for his entire global war on crime <laughs> i mean that's just weird i mean that's i mean that's bold that is ballsy and i give him a lot of credit for that because you know, you, you got this weird, you got this awesome interaction with Catwoman, uh, who is, you know, sexy uh, and comedic all at the same time. Uh, you so kind of like these, that costume. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get it. <laughs> that's that's another discussion for a whole other show. Um, but the, I mean, the biggest strength of it is the fact that it really is an unexpected direction for it and while i'm not seeing it as something i'm going to be die hard to go out and buy every issue of it is something i'm going to keep up on just because it's drawn me in with that weird that weird sort of energy that sort of zaniness that the comic had to it and i thought that it could be a very fun and interesting uh comic line down the line yeah, even up until the last page where I, I half face palmed, but still read it through my fingers when I expected it to say next uh, tune in next month. Same bat time, same bat comic because <laughs> <laughs> it ended on one of those old school cliffhangers from mm -hmm. freaking Adam West series, which, OK, uh, I'll buy it. Just don't make it a running trend. Let's just say oh, yeah, so. Well, the entire thing was one big setup for that last panel. <laughs> <laughs> he, he started at the end and worked his way backwards. Yep. Brilliant. <laughs> so so that gets a lot of our listeners up to date on uh, really what's going on with Batman. There have been some high points. There have been some low points. It's still a very interesting character. And now what I like is you can read different titles based upon what Batman you want to read. You want to follow Bruce Wayne? Read Batman Incorporated. You want to follow uh, Dick and Damien? Read Batman. You know, you, for some reason, you like Tim Drake? Uh, they're still publishing Red Robin. Uh, there's Knight and Squire. There's Batwoman, Batgirl. There's Bat People all over the freaking place. And all of them are doing very interesting things right now, tying into yet another of Bruce Wayne's master plans. And uh, where do you really see things going from here, Joe? Honestly, that's the best part. I don't know. See, and, and that's one of the coolest things about it is, is for a long time, comic books, even Batman series were very predictable. That's why years ago when the whole hush line came out, Everybody was really excited because nobody knew what to expect with it. You know, it was, it was an entirely fresh, new, exciting thing that nobody could predict. And it's the same thing here. I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what direction they're going to go with this. And I'm, I'm kind of excited for that because there are so many different things that you can do with it at this point. There's so many different setups that right now it's wide open. It really is. And I think that's one of the best parts about it. And it's something that will keep me coming back and checking at least all the various story arcs for a while now just to see what's happening in each and which one's got the most entertainment. Yeah, that, that's that's definitely an interesting way to go with it. So before we move into the wrap up, any last Batman statements here? Uh, and not unless I can gush about Batman Beyond. Uh, sorry, you missed that episode. <laughs> but yes, we love Batman Beyond. All right. So that that kind of finishes up our Batman segment here. And before we get into the usual final wrap up, we, we have our new favorite segment, what we're reading. So aside from Batman, aside from Spider-Man, what else have you been reading lately, Joe? I am going through and I am rereading the entire Scott Pilgrim versus the world line. Excellent. And starting over with the walking dead from issue one. 
also excellent. Yeah, I mean, Scott Pilgrim is is seriously my crack lately. Um, it's just got the the super vibrant color, the super zaniness, the completely out of left field, the weird explanations about, you know, how apparently all Canadians have to fight for their girlfriends. You know, they, it's not, and it's not just like people think it was just Ramona, like from the movie. No, 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 no. When Scott dated Kim, the drummer, yeah, he had to go and fight her exes too. And apparently he's like the best fighter in the province. So, I mean, there's, there's so much that didn't get translated into the movie. It just makes the comic that much more fun that much more entertaining and if you can get the trade paperback it's well worth picking up and reading and thumbing through yeah when uh scott pilgrim's finest hour came out i went and i got (laughs) all six volumes and i devoured every single one of them in a weekend it was such a fun read and you're right there there it's six volumes of basically an american manga that's a lot to cram into an hour and a half for a movie so there's so much just great fun in there if you enjoyed the movie you will love love the comics and of course walking dead freaking awesome (laughs) well for me it was the the entire watching the series unfold really made me want to go back and say you know i haven't read these in a while i think it's time to sit down and reread and just to see the difference between the two what they've embellished in the uh the miniseries or the series i don't know what it's going to wind up being at this point i'm guessing a full-blown series but you know, to see the difference between it and the different depths that they added to certain characters versus what's in the comic book and vice versa. It's just it's so awesome. There's just so many cool facets of the story. Um, it's probably the best zombie story I've read, period. Have you read any of uh, Kirkman's other Kirkman's other work? I really haven't. I highly, highly recommend Invincible. One, one of my favorite releases every month. Hmm. I think I'll have it, to check that out. It, it, it's kind of a cross between Superman and Spider-Man. I mean, it's got the big epic stories while, while still being grounded with the whole sensible American teenager vibe. It, it, it's ever, ever since I think issue six, I have been hooked on it month after month. All right. What about so, you? <laughs> I, I, I've been having enough trouble keeping up with my new releases lately. I haven't had time for much else. <laughs> because if you look at this week's list of new releases... Holy crap, Batman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have Incorruptible number 12, finishing up the first year on Mark Wade's second amazing title in that line. Uh, Batman Beyond number six, finishing mm-hmm. off that miniseries before it relaunches as a full-blown series in January. Justice League Generation Lost. I know I haven't talked about this one in a while, but it's actually gotten really, really, really good the last couple of issues. Really? Of course. Yes, it, it kind of dipped off a bit in the middle, but the last couple issues I've really enjoyed. I mean, come on, you bring Magog into the storyline and it's got to be awesome. You've got Walking Dead number 79, Amazing Spider-Man 679, Fantastic Four 585, Invincible Iron Man 32. I need to take a breath here on this list. <laughs> New Mutants issue 19, Secret Avengers number 7. The release of the week for me, Thunderstrike mm-hmm. issue number one. Anybody who read Marvel Comics back in the 90s knows who Thunderstrike is, and we yes. love us some Eric Masterson. It's great to see him coming back, even if it's only in a miniseries at this point. 
This week, we celebrate the 10th anniversary of the Ultimate Universe with the release of Ultimate Spider-Man number 150. Definitely look for us to be talking about that on a future issue. We have Uncanny X-Force number two, as well as X-Men Legacy number 242. That is a list and a half. My goodness, we are getting some good comics coming out these days. It's a very exciting time. Uh, anything else you'd like to recommend to our readers before our readers or listeners before we sign off here, Joe? Actually, I'm going to uh, suggest an oldie but a goodie. Um, Marvel released a, a weird series a long time ago called Supreme Power Max. Um, it is I'm now it. it is now going on clearance just about everywhere in hardcover format. You can pick it up for like four or five bucks in the first volume. It is basically what would happen if Marvel told the story of The Flash, uh, Superman, Batman, uh, and... I love their Aquaman. <laughs> they're, yeah, their Aquaman, Aquawoman, <laughs> uh, the Green Lantern, uh, basically the entire JLA, including Wonder Woman, in Marvel's eyes with a darker twist. And it is one of the best stories that I've ever read. And one of the it's got some of the most interesting artwork and some of the most interesting concepts that I've seen even pulled out of Marvel for a long, long time. And the fact that it was literally a blatant ripoff and retelling of the JLA. I mean, it's very apparent, but it's still uh, it's a fun, good. It's a fun and a good read and well worth the five, six bucks to pick up on clearance just about everywhere. Yeah. Interesting note tying into that. They actually had a crossover a couple years ago between the Supreme Power Universe mm -hmm. and the Ultimate Universe to the point where Zarda, the, their version of Wonder Woman, is actually a member of the Ultimates right now. I did see that. Yes. So there, there's definitely some great stuff going on at Marvel. And I would really like to thank you for coming in today, uh, today Joe. Uh, it was nice to have a Batman expert I could fall back on for some knowledge. Thank you for having me and letting me nerd out. Um, me and my Batman shirt appreciate it. <laughs> Is it a yellow logo or the green it is logo? black shirt with the yellow logo? OK, so that, that, that that's a winner. <laughs> and and uh, Joe will definitely be back at some point in the future. Again, as we talked about last week, there's some big things coming up. Uh, be sure to check us out at bowdowntous.com. iTunes listeners, we really want to see some reviews up there. We greatly appreciate it. And we will see everybody next week for issue 18. still don't see Joe, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know him. He shows up at the last minute and makes his dramatic entrance just like that. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm wearing a Batman shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so it took literally all day to get up. And, and that's what she said. And... Uh, <laughs> All right, so what we decided, because we accidentally came up with something completely awesome, in January was Wait, it like you the mean 13th? me. Yeah, no, it was it was a group effort. It was me. I haven't recorded. I'll play it back. <laughs> all right, I think. All right, you good to go, buddy? I has notes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we have to bring up my notes. <laughs> I, have a t I, I have notes first. I, I have notes for all of the Batman stuff, and I'm just because I've sat there and I read them. I'm like, oh, scribble, 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 right, 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 right. Yes. All right. Remember, uh, one, it's a 30 minute show. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And two, since we're talking about Grant Morrison, it is a non-explicit show as well. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, things got a little weird around the point with. Uh, oh shoot! 
Hold on, Roger's saying he's not getting any audio. Oh, it's because you're the only one talking. I think he's making a joke. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> Way to do it, man. Damn All you, right. Frenchie. <laughs> I, although I, I let you talk a little more than I let Roger talk. You boys have fun? Oh, yes. I, do, I, I, <laughs> I got to nerd out about Batman. <laughs> Don't get too comfortable in that coho seat, mister. <laughs> we, we might have to have a, a sidekick show off here. <laughs> you, just, you totally threw us off in the middle of the show when you put that little Dude. IOC Joe's bar going up. <laughs> it took uh, I stopped mid-conversation actually seeing, actually thinking something was wrong with the show. <laughs> That's why I messaged Joe after. I was like, Jesus, great. Now I have more editing because he can't take a freaking joke. <laughs> Uh, I got well, the joke as I was responding to it. it. It's not an episode unless Roger finds some way to derail it. I, that's not true. He doesn't have to try very hard on this one. 